G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. You've heard that country song, take this job and shove it. God wants us to take this job and love it. Hi and welcome. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Today we'll hear The Benefits of Your Labour, a new message from our Paradigm series about the beauty of hard work and God's design for us to prosper. The way you and I are cut out and designed from the beginning was that we would have within us a desire, a motivation, an internal passion to labour and experience all the good things that come from work. You say, well, you had me up until that point. This is Today with Jeff Vines. Proverbs 3, while you're turning, I said this last week, and and I want to begin the same way, is that I know this is a time of year that you kind of want to get back to your journey with God. You want to return to something you had when you were younger, or maybe even being pursuing God for the very first time in your life. Let me tell you, if you've got a friend that invited you here, it's because they love you. They love you. And they think that there's something here that can really make a difference in your life. And that's why, the, that's why they've invited. But I want you to know also that you know, it's kind of like going to the gym in a New Year's resolution. If you go for one or two or three weeks, you're going to get some benefit. But it's something you do over the long haul. And then the snowball effects begin to occur. Your body takes a different shape. Things start to change. And your faith in God and what God is willing to do in your life is very similar It's not something that can happen in two or three weeks. Think about it. A lot of us took 30, 40 years to get the position we're in. It's going to take some time. But I want to remind you, the Bible is clear about this to every one of you. Proverbs 3, but before we get to that, Jeremiah 29, just one verse, whole Proverbs 3. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Folks, that's powerful stuff. But the truth is, Some of Jesus' teachings, when they hit you for the first time, it's like a thousand volts of electricity pounding you in the chest. Tie in. Got it? They're just so abrupt because they're countercultural, counterintuitive. We're not wired to think in those terms. Countercultural. And sometimes just downright overwhelming. That's why I said last week, you got to make the the, the decision some point in your life where you decide, Jesus is going to be my teacher now. I'm going to follow him. And even when his words get difficult, even when I have a hard time, I'm going to follow because I'm going to, he's my teacher and I'm going to trust him. Never is that more true than in the area that Jesus talks most about in the Bible. The area of your stuff, your possessions, and more specifically, your money. Now don't leave, stay. Don't leave. Hear me out on this, okay? Please. Because God wants, it is his desire to bless all his children. 
It's clear. I'm going to go back and read it again. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Each individual declares the Lord. Plans to what? Prosper you and not to harm you. And plans to give you a hope and a future. But part of God's plan to prosper you is that you would know that God has an economic plan for your life that you would follow that economic plan and that you would reap the harvest of the benefit, that you would know, that you would follow, and that you would reap. You say, Jeff, are you telling me the God of the universe wants to be involved in my money and my economics? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And don't worry, this is not another televangelist. You know, you know me well enough now to know where I'm going to go with this. This is no sermon of manipulation. It is a sermon of the economy of God and his desire to bless you. And what I'm going to say, even in the first third of this sermon, for many of you guys especially, your eyes are going to be open. For hopefully and prayerfully for the first time, you're going to say, man, because it's going to explain to you why it is you're so miserable in your life. And for others of you, it's going to say, man, I never thought about it. Especially you young guys out there, hopefully this will, I, I'd give anything if my home preacher where I was growing up would have even just hinted toward this direction and explained how this works to me. Because you young guys and girls get this right now. Oh man, you, you talk to some of the older people about this topic. If you could talk to them, they'd say, man, you better listen to that guy. I have ruined my life because I violated this. So get it right now. If you're going to understand God's economic plan for your life, it goes back a long way. Go all the way back to the garden, all the way back when God created the heavens and the earth, created man and woman, and he put them in the garden and notice what he doesn't tell them to do. He doesn't say, here's what I want you to do now. I want you to both grab some lawn chairs, go over to the Walmart and people watch. If you were from East Tennessee, you'd get that. <laughs> Instead, this is what he says, Genesis chapter 2, 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to do what? Say it. Cultivate and keep it. In other words, God wanted life to be more than just about hanging out, throwing the football and eating some fruit. He wanted them to tend, to cultivate and to work. And for all you biblical scholars who are always following up what I say and testing it, good for you, by the way, notice this is a pre-fall text. Work was in the garden before the fall. Work is not punishment. It's the way God planned life to be from the very beginning. It's the way he wired us. So God says to Adam, Adam, your responsibility is to oversee the garden, to cultivate it, to work. And Adam doesn't say, well, God, you know, I don't really want to do that. It's like he says, you know, God, I'm glad you said that because that's what I really want to do anyway. So God says, good. Here's your first order of business in the arena of work. He said, I made the animals. Adam, you name them. That's your job. First job. Genesis 2, 19, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. Imagine Adam said, well, God, what if I get it wrong? God said, you can't get it wrong. Whatever you name them, that's it. Which makes you kind of wonder about aardvark and hippopotamus and things like that. The Bible says... That the way you and I are, 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 are Selim, the way we are cut out and designed from the beginning, not a result of the fall, but from the beginning, was that we would have within us a desire, a motivation, a internal, an internal passion to labor and experience all the good things that come from work. You say, well, you had me up until that point. Good, what well, can be good from work? But remember, this is pre-fall stuff. And God looked out and said, including work, it's good, right? Good. It's good. Now, what is good about our labor? First of all, and I'm going to encourage you to follow along in your bulletin for two reasons. One, you can fill in the blanks and keep it. Second, you'll know how much time exactly is left in the sermon. 
<laughs> labor forces you to decide your career path. Young people, listen. The good thing about labor, it forces you to say, what am I gonna do with my life? Which leads to other questions like, what are you passionate about? What are you wired to do? What can't you stop thinking about? If you could do one thing for the rest of your life and get paid for it, what would it be? I have a, a nephew down in Tennessee. We were standing out in the summertime in the grass of East Tennessee there. And little AJ was out there with me. He was about eight at the time. And a plane flew over. And that was a big plane. And big planes don't often fly over a little Elizabeth in Tennessee. You know, he must have been lost or something. But the plane was flying over and it was low. And my little nephew said to me, man, Uncle Jeff, that's what I want to do. That's what I want to do. Every time I hear those engines. He's 23 years old now. He's one of the youngest persons ever to get his pilot's license. And he says, Jeff, Uncle Jeff, when I hear those engines rev up, man, my heart beats a little faster. My passion meter goes over to the edge. I just get excited. I can't believe I'm going to get paid for this. I talked to my friend Mike down at Coffee Clatch. He's the guy in the middle. He's the one that owns it. And I said, Mike, why do you do this? And he said, well, I used to be in construction down in Irvine. But I went to work every day, and it was okay, and I made good money, and I saved some money. But my wife and I would have date nights during the week, and we'd go to coffee houses. And I would... Ooh, smell that coffee. And I'd look around at people having conversation. By the way, clatch means conversation. And I would just say, man, wouldn't it be great to just be part of this? He said, so I quit. And I bought my first coffee house. And he said, Jeff, if you want to get wealthy in coffee, it'll never happen. But he said, it doesn't matter. I get to do this every day. I get up and I go. And he just walks around. I'm at Coffee Clatch by about 7.05, 7.10 after I drop my daughter at school. And he's right behind me. And he comes and just mixes and mingles and has his little group of four or five friends and they sit and talk and drink coffee. He says, I can't believe I get to do this every morning. It just resonates with him. It's a sense of satisfaction. And it may sound strange to you guys, listen. And Bill Hybels is the first one that turned me on to this, so I want to give credit where credit is due. Bill Hybels said, this is what God wants for all of his children. And he says, you've heard that country song, take this job and shove it. God wants us to take this job and love it. That was God's original idea, that we would discover how we're wired, how God made us, and then we would have an occupation that was consistent with the way God designed us. Now, here's the problem. For a lot of us, our eyes get turned toward position and prestige and money, and so we end up chasing that and doing something we were never designed to do just because we'll get paid more for it. I was meant to be in the NBA. That's what I dreamt about from a little time. I mean, I knew God had equipped and wired me and I was a big fish in a very small pod. And everybody told me, my mommy told me I was good enough to go. There's only one major, actually there are three major problems. I had concrete feet. I couldn't jump. I couldn't play defense and I couldn't handle the ball very well. But other than that, man, I could have been there, right? Here's the point. Labor, passion, and wiring are all essential elements to God's successful economic plan in your life. The second part of that is this, labor increases your sense of confidence. That's why work is good. God designed it and orchestrated it that as we do a job and it's a job well done that we'd gain confidence to move out effectively in the world. But if you're not doing what you were wired to do, that's going to be difficult. Man, I remember. It's a different world now, isn't it? It is so different. I mean, we're talking about now, you know, my kids come to me and say, dad, I need 20 bucks. Your, your kids do that? They just want you to fork it out. I need 10, I need 20, I need, you know, give me some money. Man, if I would have said that to my dad after I stood up again, after that, he would have said, get a job, son. So at age 13, it's back 1977, I got a bunch of my friends together after school. 
summertime was coming, I said, guys, we got to work this year. I need some money. I want some candy bars and some freezies and some ices. I don't want to be asking my parents. I got to get a job. I got an idea. Let's mow some grass. I said, let's, let's do this the big way. Let's go up to golf course acres where the doctors live and let's ask them if we can mow their lawns because they're big and they'll pay well. And all my friends said, no, no, man, they're not our kind of people. Remember, this is late 70s. I said, sure, man, take a shot, take some risk. They didn't want to go. I'm going myself then. So my mom, I said, mom, I want you to drop me off at the bottom of the street and I'll come back in about three hours. I'm just going to knock on doors. I knocked on 50 doors. I got 45 no's, but I got five yeses. That's right. At $20 a yes. Five days a week in the summer, I made a hundred bucks a week. And folks, in 1977, that was big money. And you know what I did with my money? I went back to the giant wholesale supermarket, which is like your Vons. And I went in there and I got me that big cherry icy and two hot dogs with all the chili and a three musketeer bar. That's where it all started. And I sat there and I looked up to the mountains and I said, man, it doesn't get any better than this. <laughs> but the sense of accomplishment, man, I thought, man, look what I was able to do and I can move out. That developed confidence in me at a young age, thanks to my dad. This is Today with Jeff Vines. The message is about the benefits of your labour. Work was in the world before the fall. It's good for us in more ways than one. Let's continue now. Okay. Labour increases your sense of confidence. No other arena has the capacity to grow our confidence like the arena of labour. Now third, and this is what everybody wants to hear, labour gives us earning power. Part of God's original economic plan would be that you generate revenue, that labor would lead to income generation. And now you say, boy, Jeff, I've been waiting for this part. Now you're talking. This is what I want to hear, but here's what we forget. Now, please stay with me. Here's what happens. A lot of us are wired by God and we're in industries and businesses where we're going to generate just a little amount of income. God didn't do something mean to us on purpose. His major concern isn't that we make a lot of money. He wired us to do stuff, but reality is this. It's only gonna generate a small amount of income. Then there are others that are gonna be tied to businesses and industries that we're not gonna get wealthy, but we're gonna generate what we call moderate income. That's the way we're wired. Small, moderate. And then there are those that, man, we're gonna be tied to an industry or a business that is going to generate an enormous amount of income. And the money's going to keep rolling in. And it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger until it bursts. And so it just grows and grows. Now stop that. I'm not going to burst this balloon. <laughs> now, this is your chance to trust your senior pastor. I am not going... Read my lips. No more bursting. And so it goes on and on and on. Told you. <laughs> And comparatively, it's huge. It just rolls in. But here's the thing. A lot of you, the way God wired you, and matter of fact, most of us, the way God wired us, we have to come to terms with the fact that it's only going to generate, as long as we work in our area of gifting, little to moderate income. Some of you teach. And I think you're some of the most valuable people in our culture. Unfortunately, I don't make the rules of how much you get paid. If I did, it'd be different. We'd flip-flop you with athletes but I'm not in charge. Some of you are in the trades. Guys like me, we're enamored with you, that you can fix things, repair things. The problem is, it just so happens in our culture, of no fault of God or your own, that it generates 
small to moderate levels of income for most of you. My mother wanted to work after the empty nest syndrome. All the kids were gone, and I don't know why, but she said, I want to work, and she wanted to be a head cashier at a grocery store. I could not for the life of me figure out why. I think it has something to do with the power. (laughs) Small town, you get to determine the schedule of who works when, and you get to count the money at the end of the day. But she got paid so little for such hard work. And I said, what do you want to do that, mom? You don't need the money. Retire. She goes, no, I'm good at this and I love it. She got up every morning, man, ready to go to work and be in charge. I guess that's what it was about. God made her good at that. She had a passion for it. She was gifted and she was happy. But she knew that that career in which she was involved was going to generate little to moderate income. Now, what does the Bible say about us who were involved in this? And it generates that level of income. You know what it says? Learn to be content with the provision God sends into your life. Now, I had an older brother that taught me a valuable lesson. I want you to hear me on this. He started out at the age of 19 working at Kroger, which is the southern edition of Vaughn's, I guess, in the frozen food department. 33 years later, today, he still has the same job. Now, I look at that the way I'm wired, and I think, man, are you crazy? Man, and they've offered him management. They've offered him to be trained for supervision. And every time they offer him a promotion, he says, no, don't want it. I say, man, Tim, are you, have you completely, he says, no, Jeff, what's your problem? I said, well, you're silly. He says, am I silly? I clock in, I clock out. I go home to my wife and kids. I coach my son's baseball team, my other son's basketball team. I have no stress on me, and I make enough money to have everything I need. I have a house, a couple of cars. Jeff, I don't need anything else. Now, who's the silly one? There are plenty of people making $25,000, $35,000 a year that are completely happy and content in what they're making because they know they get to operate in the wiring God gave them. And then there are those who want to make more money, take their eyes off how they're wired. They get involved in a job and a career they hate all their lives. And no matter how much money they make, it never changes. Would they like more money, those who are in the little to moderate? Sure they would. But are they willing to move in an area where God has not gifted them or wired them in order to get more money? No, because they've learned the secret. Happiness is not found in money. If your whole goal of your life is to stockpile, you may end up doing it, but you'll be miserable and you'll probably lose your wife and kids along the way. That's why John T. Rockefeller was asked, how much is enough? And he said, what? One more dollar, just one more dollar, just one more dollar. As a matter of fact, they learned something else. Now you heard this here first. Know what else they've learned? You're going to be so proud. I made this up all by myself. It's deep and profound. So remember, I said it. (laughs) It is more important to do what you love and eat hamburgers than to do what you hate and eat steak. There you go. (laughs) Isn't that right? So there are plenty plenty of people who are content, not chaping, not striving, not mad at God. They don't look around and say, you have more than I do and get all covetous. They're content because they know they're operating in the way God wired them and they're happy even though they know that this particular job will ever only generate small to moderate levels of income. But they've learned the secret that consistency with contentment is not a bad way to live. Now time out. I need to ask you, Some of you need to grow in your contentment. You need to take a deep breath and say, wow, you know, he's got a point. I do, I I like what I do. It doesn't make a lot of money, but I'm really blessed to get to do this. I don't really need more stuff. Jeff is right. 
And if I feel any devaluing, it's because I have believed the lie of the American culture that net worth is associated with self-worth. This is Today with Jeff Vines. And that's all for today. Next time, we'll continue looking at the benefits of our labour and why God designed us for work and application. That's what I want to do in the second half of my life. I want people to find God. I want people to know God. I want the church to get better at communicating God. Proverbs 3, verse 9, Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Today with Jeff Vines, just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 